From Passages, I'm Rachel Powell, and this is Passages Voice. Mina Abdemelak was born and raised in Egypt and received his law degree while living there. Mina now works for the Holocaust Museum in DC and is an associate fellow at the Philos Project. going to jump right into this conversation with Mina and ask him about some of his traditions and how it was different for him growing up in Egypt around Christmas time. Do Coptic Christians have like a lot of special traditions around the holidays? Yeah, I mean, it's completely actually different. Um, okay. So, so the Coptic Christmas is actually on January 7th. Uh, and the eve of January, like, so Christmas Eve for us is January 6th, uh, which, like, we don't, I mean, there is not much of, you know, buying presents and opening presents and, like, the next day in the morning. And um, it is completely different. We start the Lent. There is a Christmas Lent, actually, for Coptic Christmas Lent that uh, started a week ago, uh, I believe, and it goes until the Christmas Eve, January 6th. Mm-hmm. And in this Lent, you are allowed to eat uh, everything except for any meat products. So no no red meat, no chicken, no eggs, no milk, nothing, uh, cheese, nothing kind of like uh, coming from like meat or animals. Except mm-hmm. this Lent, this Lent you can eat fish. Uh, because the Easter Lent, you cannot eat fish. So... This is the, the difference. Uh, I mean, the Coptic calendar is full of Lent. So uh, you as a Copt, you are on strict diet. Uh, and I have to confess that I don't follow the strict diet as I should. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, basically, it's the environment is completely, or the atmosphere for Christmas is so different than what you see in, in the U.S. or in the Western world. So I guess, could you explain to me a little bit, like, what was it like growing up for you around Christmas time? So since it was so different, I mean, I don't really have a concept of, you know, what is Coptic Christmas like for for kids who are in Egypt? So I will tell you my experience and the way that I can see it now. Um, So, you know, when I, my first Christmas in the U.S. was actually very exciting because you know, I go to Starbucks and you hear Christmas music and like there, there is a festive <laughs> atmosphere yeah. about Christmas. In growing up in Egypt, it was not the case at all um, because, you know, being a minority and being all of, like, you can see a little bit of festive uh, 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 atmosphere inside the church, but not outside. Mm. Um, and uh, like... Yeah, like you, you don't the, the the concept of even tree or Santa Claus. Um, there are some families who carry these concepts, but I grew up in in a middle class, very traditional Coptic family. None of my parents, for example, like traveled abroad. So mm-hmm. we just like when I was in high school, the whole concept of Christmas tree was introduced to us, mm-hmm. uh, to or to my family. Um, again, I'm talking about my personal experience because you will find like some Coptic families who are more kind of interact uh, or interacted more with the West. So mm-hmm. they had these like the trees and Santa Claus and this stuff like 
but my personal experience that, that these concepts was not introduced to us uh, or to my family didn't come to uh, in, like into the family mm. until like very late. Um, I think part that the presence was never was never a thing, and I, I believe until now in, in most of the Coptic families that concept of buying Christmas uh, Christmas presents was still not a thing. But the one thing that I found is very family and very interesting about the Coptic Christmas as well is that so you start the Lent in November, end of November, right? Mm. All the way until uh, uh, January 6th. And you are being kind of forbidden to eat any meat products or even like milk or chocolates or all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that nice I always remember is that on, on the Christmas Eve, January 6th, we all go to church. And the church starts uh, around like 6.37 uh, and it goes until midnight. Um, and we go to the church, we go to the Christmas Eve mass and it's long. Coptic masses are long. Um, <laughs> but after that, like you go home and then my mom would be preparing like different kinds of meat dishes and it's all mm-hmm. delicious and great and we are starving and not only starving because we've been in the church for so long but also because we want to eat meat right like we've been yeah. you know um so i apologize for any vegetarian uh listeners uh because like that that the those lens makes us like kind of very much not vegetarians because uh, <laughs> they force us to be vegetarians and vegans uh it's by force um, but so, so it's like, you know, after the, uh, Coptic, uh, uh, after the, the Christmas mass, uh, Christmas Eve mass, we, you know, it's, it's one of these nice things that, um, like you get together with the family for dinner and, um, you know, it's also, yeah, the other thing is like, also I think it's interesting that we buy new clothes before Christmas. Huh. Um, so yeah, so you and you go to Christmas Eve mass wearing the new clothes. So these actually maybe these are the kind of this is the new things. Like it's not present, but mm. you, you take you get money from your dad or your mom and uh, and you go as a child like growing up as a child like and then like you go get uh, new clothes and stuff and new shoes and um and you know like go to church with all of this new stuff. Um. Is there some kind but, uh, of symbolism in the new clothes? Nah, nah. I don't think like nothing, not like Christian symbolism. Nah. Okay. But it's just like celebrating Jesus, you know, Jesus was born today and all of this stuff. Um, but uh, but like outside the church, really, there's nothing. Like hmm. you will not feel any Christmas, um, you know, spirit. Nothing. Um, and so can, can you explain yeah, to our listeners a little bit why that would be why is there no Christmas um, just so they understand a little bit of the context of where you're at and why there would be no Christmas outside the church so I mean as many of you may know that topics are even though we are the largest minority the largest Christi- Christian minority in the Middle East but we are still persecuted minority um and uh so yeah so i mean like in in and per- the persecution of cops comes 
uh, in different ways. Uh, like, just imagine, um, you know, like I'm just expre- like telling you what what goes in my mind now without any mm-hmm. uh, uh, order. Um, like, you know, you you're a minority everywhere in your school, in your society, in the broader society, and the the the, the Egyptian society has been um, heavily under a kind of Islamic influence to the extent that um, you just feel constantly you're being remind, uh, reminded that you are not uh, sane mm-hmm. and in a negative way most of the times. Uh, like, I, like I have memories from school like being told that I will go to hell because I don't believe in Islam or that I should uh, uh, convert or like I'm being harassed by teachers or by uh, uh, um, classmates to mm. convert to Islam and you have many of these stories mm. and um, you know like you grow up and this is this is kind of the norm this is the normal like you're being you know second class for the way you're being uh, uh, treated as such um, and you should not ever feel that you are equal to the Muslims because you're not. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, the other thing is like, you know, even going to the church as you are so excited with your new clothes and stuff, um, you know, the church security during Christmas and Easter and like big holidays uh, gets really tough and really heavy. like. You will mm-hmm. see more policemen around the church and stuff. And obviously that tells you something like you mm-hmm. in a constant, under constant threat that you will be targeted um, from like terrorists or like, you know, just crazy Islamic radicals that uh, uh, they target these big holidays to. Uh, and we, we've had a lot of the attacks uh, uh, on the churches took place during Christmas and Easter. Uh, because that's when you have the most, like, that's when the church is pretty full. Uh, so any damage would be huge. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's like, it's not, I mean, I, I assume like many of your listeners have not, uh, maybe lived, I mean, if many of your listeners, Christians, Americans, Perhaps you've never experienced being a minority uh, as a Christian. Like you, you being Christian yeah. is actually makes you um, nervous to show your faith or to. Um, 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 I mean, how to say it? Uh, it's just it's a constant reminder that there is something not normal about you. Hmm. Yeah. So how do you think growing up as a minority and then even around times like Christmas then being a little bit more controversial, like where you used to grow up, how do you think that that affected you now and kind of affects what you do today? Um, you know, I, I don't know how it all started, like, because none of my family, none of my parents or my uncles never had any kind of political activism history or interest to kind of see this as not the norm. Like, 
I mean, like my mom goes to the church and she see every every Sunday she see the security uh, standing by the church, and she doesn't think this is not normal. But like mm-hmm. for me, it has been always like there's something wrong. Um, so it did affect my personal choice of not, for example, um, following my parents dream for me i mean so okay I, I will give you a little bit of background so i am like i have six sisters and my parents they wanted the son to take over the family business so mm. they kept trying all of the times and as a result i have so many sisters um so uh they had kind of a pre-plan for me that i should work in the family business and mm. i could have had a secure life uh you can i mean one may say uh, if I would have chosen uh, the plan of my parents for myself, but mm. um, what I what I've experienced growing up with cops made me think like you know, uh, no, this has to change and there's something wrong here and you know the there's a Jewish say that it's not now when it's not us who that I've always believed in and it made me always you know like. It, it was a constant reminder for me that I should be involved in the religious freedom uh, um, activism in Egypt, and that's what I—that's why I went to law school actually in Egypt to be advocate for religious freedom legally in in, in Egypt. Hmm. Um, and I'm still pretty much engaged in that question that people should be free to worship whoever they want without feeling under threats uh, or under persecutions of whether it's the state or the society. Mm. So how how did that bring you to the U.S. and the work that you're doing now? Uh, um, so I like you know I my full time job in a way is to try to combat anti-Semitism, which uh, one can make the argument it's a religious freedom question too, mm-hmm. uh, and also my involvement with Philo's project. It's because Philo's Project is a great place to advocate for religious freedom as well. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it's pretty much, I mean, it's, it's shaping my life and my life decisions. Um, you know, and my parents, even though I don't see them often, but um, they are at least glad that I'm, you know, I'm doing this activism here from the U.S. much safer than when I was doing it from Egypt. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like this, this, this growing up in Egypt, and like I said, the, the one thing that I can't really explain is when I've like not not when, but why I've decided to do what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. um, because like it's not, it didn't come from my parents that they kind of told me this is not normal and you should work uh, or you should like shape your life decisions based on, you know, fighting for religious freedom. Mm. Um, it, it just, it just felt it will, it's not right and that I should do something about it. Mm. Mm. That's really cool. It's, it's awesome that you're, I feel like everyone's life and the things that they go through in their childhood really shape who and what they become. So I, I really thank you for kind of coming on and giving us a little bit about your tradition around Christmas and also about your story. But if, if so, 
if you could leave us with one thing that was maybe your favorite thing about growing up in Egypt around the holiday season, what would that be? Something that you miss? Uh, I think the family gatherings. And I, I think that, uh, you know, it's awesome to be, or you should appreciate that you are in a, in a, in a country where you can practice your religion freely and you can, you know, um, uh, enjoy Christmas uh, without feeling you are under threat. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so this is kind of something you should appreciate, but also you should remind yourself it's not about presents, not about what you get to your, you know, uh, parents or siblings or significant others. It just it's more about like you know being together and uh, spending time with uh, people you love. That's awesome. I sound like an old man now, but I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Chris, Christmas is not about things. It's about the people that you love. So I think that's true. Yeah. I think that's true wherever Jesus you're at. Too. And Jesus, like yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's, that's the important thing is, you know, Jesus came to earth to show us what true love looks like. So I think that's, yeah. that's an awesome thing to celebrate. <laughs> well, yes. thanks. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much for jumping on today, Nina, and chatting with me about your experience um, with Christmas. To learn more about how to get involved, visit passagesisrael.org backslash pulse. From Passages, I'm Rachel Powell. Thanks for listening.